everybody. Welcome to the Pac-Man Podcast. Patriotic American citizen, I'm Ted Flint on the BMG Network. Well, since we last spoke, the president appeared in Philadelphia, and that speech, I'm sure most of you have heard it, parts of it, and perhaps all of it, was just unbelievable. When my wife and I were looking at it, and we couldn't believe what we were seeing and hearing. I mean, first of all, the backdrop, red brick. I mean, there was a sinister look about it. It just was a weird kind of a setting for a speech. Two Marines in the background. Now, what is that supposed to mean? You know everything was for, for image. Everything this administration does is for image. It was what, what he said was despicable. And he showed really how weak he and the rest of his leftist cohorts really are. They think they were projecting strength, but that it was anything but a show of strength. I mean, the, the two Marines. When was the last time you see, saw Donald Trump deliver a speech like that with Marines in the background, looking all trying to look all tough? Reagan, all his speeches. George W. Bush. I mean, this guy uses the, the military as props. He, his whole administration and all the liberals in general, they cannot stand the military. They hate military. They hate law enforcement. They hate police. But here they were, the Marines on display at the president's speech in the brotherly love of Philadelphia of all places. And then 24 hours later, less than 24 hours later, the administration is walking back the president's comments, which were as divisive as you'll ever hear a president deliver. Peter Ducey from Fox News recently uh, was not about to let the president off the hook. Mr. President, do you consider all Trump supporters to be a threat to the country? You can't make that case. I don't consider any Trump too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. Well, that's one of the few times I've heard Joe Biden refer to America as a republic. Our government is a, is a republic. We're a constitutional republic. We're not a democracy. But I mean, who are the biggest threats to our democracy? You heard it. You heard them, MAGA Republicans. Those of us, and I consider myself a MAGA Republican, those of us who favor strong borders, election integrity, the sanctity of unborn human life, low taxes, smaller government, adherence to the U.S. Constitution, that's us. We're, th we're the threat, the biggest threats to the Republic, according to the president. Unbelievable. With this speech, Biden basically declared war on half the country. The better half, I might add. This kind of hateful, divisive rhetoric from a man who claimed he was going to unify the nation. You know, I was reading a Red I think it was Red, Red State, or no, it was Town Hall. Townhall.com. Matt Vespa wrote a good line today. He said, Mr. Unity took what Hillary Clinton did in 2016 and poured kerosene on it. If we were not divided then, of course we are divided, he made it worse. And he knew he was making it worse. That's the thing. They know what they're doing. You know, I know he's a doddering old man, but don't sell him short. He's not quite as feeble-minded feeble, feeble as he lets on. He knows what he's doing at times. Uh, he doesn't know what he's doing as far as energy and, uh, you know, keeping gas prices down because he's failed miserably at that. I mean, this... This administration has done all it can do to make gas prices higher. 
there's an element in this administration, and of course the progressives, they want to reduce oil consumption. They want to destroy the fossil fuel industry. And to do that, they need uh, they need a good front man. And they got the guy. They got this, uh, this doddering old idiot, 50 years in Washington. And I guess the, the word that I read is that uh, his chief of staff, the White House chief of staff, Ron Klain, is the guy who actually pulls all the strings. And I, I, who knows? I mean, who knows? And they're trying to brag about how gas prices are coming down. You've, I'm sure you've seen the reduction in prices at the pump. But they're still far higher than they were when Donald Trump was in office. I mean, they were under $2 at one point. They're still, I think, three seventy-five is the national average. Not in New York State, although I think we came, I think we got below $4 a gallon in, in Troy, in upstate New York. It's $4.13 where, where I live, but it's three seventy-five nationally. And, you know, they tried to blame, I say they, the Democrats tried to blame the, the spike in prices on Putin's invasion of Ukraine. You know, it's Putin's war. You know, they haven't addressed the real problems, and we know what they are. They've tried to artificially, the administration, suppress the real price with releases for the past six months from the strategic petroleum reserves as they empty our emergency supplies to help Democrats keep the House of Representatives, basically. They want to increase the Democrats' chances of winning in November. Some of our reserves, I'm sure you heard this, even went to China. Our reserves in the strategic petroleum reserves are at the lowest level in almost 40 years. The drop in prices has been largely attributed to lower demand. People fear recession. We hear reports of an oncoming recession, so people are traveling less. It's September. They're going to be traveling less. Summer, the summer traveling season is just about over. But the main problem, the, 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 the thing we really need to do is to increase our production of fossil fuels. But Biden is not going to do that. He's catering to the left wing, his base in his party. He goes to Saudi Arabia recently, begging OPEC to produce more, more oil. Why should we beg anybody? We have the number one supply of oil and natural gas in the world. But we're begging OPEC to produce more. Even a Saudi Arabian prince mocked Biden. He called him a much diminished individual and saying essentially that the problem was Biden cut pipelines and hurt the U.S. ability to produce. That's exactly what happened. No pipelines, no keystone, no uh, no more drilling on federal lands. He's banning offshore oil production, and that sends a message to the markets. Now the word is that OPEC, I read this today too, I'm sure maybe some of you heard this, OPEC is going to be cutting production in October by 100,000 barrels a day. That's going to cause oil prices to jump. So, I mean, it's just, it's a nightmare. So, you know, 375 nationally, it's going to be, it's going to be going up in the next few weeks. You can, you can bet on it. One thing that's going up is Lee Zeldin's uh, poll numbers, if you believe polls. And it depends on the poll, of course, but Zeldin is trailing uh, Governor Kathy Hochul by four points, according to a new poll. And I read in the New York Post that he's closing in and it's getting to be a tight gubernatorial race, according to one poll anyway. The survey conducted by the independent uh, Trafalgar Group found Hochul with just a four percentage point lead over Zeldin. He's a Long Island congressman. And uh, one, at one poll a month ago had the race at 24 points for Hochul. I don't. That's why you know you gotta you gotta look at these polls carefully. 
because there are some polls that are commissioned by liberal groups. Siena is a, is a liberal polling institute. But the uh, that put the governor's lead outside the polls, 2.9% margin of error, but not by much. I mean, he's within striking distance. An additional 2.7% of respondents say they support libertarian candidate Larry Sharp. 6.7% are undecided. So obviously, this election is up in the air, and Selden has a very good chance. This could be our best chance. I say our best chance. Republicans have not been in the governor's mansion since George Pataki. He left in 04. And, uh, you know, Zeldin went on Facebook and Twitter and said people are fed up with Hochul's feckless leadership. And I, I'm not going to read you his quotes. I mean, it's uh, obviously it's a big shift and it's it's a welcome shift because I'm going to read you a couple of polls here that came out a couple of weeks ago that did not have the, the race so close. And uh, Donald Trump is on board with Zeldin. He uh, held a fundraiser for Zeldin. And this would be great. I would love to see Zeldin win because I cannot stand to look at Hochul. She is, uh, she's a witch, for one thing. And her, she's making Cuomo look good. That's how bad she is for the state. According to the New York Post, this event that Trump was at managed to raise $1.5 million for Zeldin's campaign. The election is November 8th, so it's two months out. Uh, Trump did not endorse Zeldin before his GOP primary win in June, but has now joined the candidate on his campaign trail as we see, uh, you know, Zeldin quickly, I should say, closing the gap. And uh, so, I mean, Trump said at the fundraiser that Zeldin helped him survive impeachment hoax number one and impeachment hoax number two and a lot of scams. So now Trump's returning the favor. Look, Trump's a good guy to have in your in your, uh, in your your corner because most of the people Trump supported uh, won their elections the past couple of weeks. You know, I think he was eight out of ten. And uh, so anyway, in comparison, there was a survey USA WNYT poll of 1,200 adults in New York conducted from August 17 through the 21st, gave Hochul a 24-point lead against Zeldin, 55-31. The Siena survey, published a couple of weeks earlier, had Hochul 53-39. So it's tightening up, and that's good news for, uh, for the state of New York. Frankly, we need some good news. There was a, a piece that was put out by SUNY Albany. My daughter attends SUNY Albany, and she sent me this. Uh, today in my email, and it's about monkeypox. Now, these people at SUNY are still, most of the, the instructors, the professors are wearing masks because they're afraid. They don't want to catch COVID. They don't want to catch the common cold. They're afraid. Liberals are afraid of everything. And they're still wearing masks. And I, you know, I, I work in Albany, as you know, for the assembly, and uh, many of the people in the legislative office building are still masked up. They probably always will be. We're no longer in a pandemic, but that's not stopping them. But I'll, I'll read you some of what the university put out today. And they're, they're monitoring very closely the global outbreak of monkeypox. And they're in touch with the public health authorities in the state and their response, blah, 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 state health department and all this other nonsense. But I'll just read you a, couple, a paragraph here uh, uh, from SUNY Albany. There are many resources here to support you. We encourage you to get connected with those related to health and well-being if you aren't already. We also know that factual information can be the greatest asset for managing complex emotions and halting the spread of disinformation rooted in bigotry and hatred. So we ask you to take a moment to familiarize yourself with this information from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention about what monkeypox is and how you can protect yourself. 
Well, and then they're telling you about how they're what they're doing on the campus to protect students. Look, over 90% of monkeypox cases involve homosexual men. Sodomites. I think it's 93%. I forget what the exact number is, but it's it's like AIDS. AIDS affected well over 90% of homosexual men or, or intravenous drug users or both. That's who suffers from monkeypox. Homosexual men. They won't say that. They just say if you if you mention that, then you're a bigot. You're you're uh, you're, you're you're spreading disinformation, which is rooted in bigotry and hatred. No, we're we're spreading truth. We're spreading truth, and that nowadays truth is is bigotry and hatred. Truth is racist sometimes. It's unbelievable. Hey, that's about going to wrap things up. Short and sweet tonight, folks. Thank you very much for tuning us in. I say night. It's night as I record this. Uh, you could be listening to it at 3 in the morning, uh, 7 in the evening, or whatever. We appreciate your listenership, and we invite you to listen to all the fine programs we have for you on the BMG Network, not least of which is my daughter, Madeline, with her show, which airs Fridays, called The Essentials with Maddie Flint. Ken Burns with a show, Adrian Ross, this program, we have columns up there for you on the PAC perspective, under the PAC perspective, I should say. So check it all out. Some good programming. And again, the bmgnetwork.com is where you find us. And if you want to contact me directly, it's pacman, P-A-C-M-A-N, at the bmgnetwork.com, all lowercase. Thanks for tuning us in. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint. <laughs>